It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, what's up? Welcome to episode number 244 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com, as well as RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show's on Twitter as well, at Locked On Raptors. Uh, you can find links to every single episode there. You can find links to all my work uh, on either of those Twitter accounts, right for Raptors HQ, right for Locked On Raptors, doing a bunch of stuff there. The Locked On Raptors advent calendar is half done now, uh, and I've had a lot of fun with that today. I wrote about Andrea Bargnani, so you should check that out at LockedOnRaptors.com. Also, check out the Locked On Podcast Network uh, for both the NFL and NBA shows, and all 32 and 30 hosts for those shows uh, would very much appreciate you subscribing to their own shows on iTunes and leaving ratings and re- leaving reviews. You can do that as well with Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. Uh, lots of great content for you to consume on both the NBA and NFL as the NBA season gets kind of into the doldrums here, but there's lots of stuff going on, of course, and the NFL is really heating up. So make sure you're uh, checking out the NBA, the NFL stuff if you have a team that's still in a playoff race or anything like that, um, or if you're like me and your team is the Tennessee Titans and they are completely terrible, uh, but somehow are going to stumble into the playoffs probably anyway because uh, the AFC is terrible. Uh, you can check out that podcast as well if you'd like. Uh, lock, locked on whatever, locked on Broncos, not the Broncos, they're, they're crap. Locked on Steelers, locked on Patriots if you want to tee up that big matchup on Sunday. Uh, endless stuff for you to check on the Locked On Podcast Network, so make sure you're doing it. Um, all right, on today's show, I'm joined by Robert Flom. He's a return guest. Uh, we talked about last night's game against the Clippers. Uh, the, the Clippers game was awful. I watched the end of it uh, the, this afternoon, uh, and it was uh, a painful experience. I'm glad I could PVR my way through it instead of having to watch it in real time because not a good game. The Raptors, of course, lost 96-91. Uh, we had Robert on to talk about the game and then also kind of dive into some bigger Clippers stuff. Uh, wanted to do this probably a day earlier to tee up before the game, but just didn't work out schedule-wise with, with another guest. So uh, that's fine. We can uh, talk about the Clippers retroactively. The Raptors will play them again this season. You can keep all that stuff fresh in your mind. Um, and it's sort of a good status update on where the Clippers are at right now with Robert. He does a great job of breaking down the very interesting conundrum that they're in as a franchise right now uh, with Blake Griffin out and with no pick in 2019. But, uh, you know, the potential for a high pick this season, uh, DeAndre Jordan being a free agent, lots of weird stuff going on with the Clippers. So please enjoy the conversation with Robert Flom. Uh, go to LockedOnRaptors.com. Once again, the Locked On Raptors. Advent calendar. Had a lot of fun doing that this month, uh, and I hope you have enjoyed it. And make sure you're checking it out and sharing it around with your pals if you want to. Um, you can also uh, look at, for tomorrow. I'm going to have a What Didn't Suck, uh, the column that I write after the Raptors lose. I haven't written many of them because they haven't lost much since I started instituted as a, as a column. Instituted it. Man, it is late and I can't speak English. Anyway, uh, yeah, so What Didn't Suck, I'm going to write about Serge Ibaka for tomorrow because he's looking good. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well at some point throughout the day. Uh, have another podcast tomorrow too. Not sure who the guest will be just yet, but uh, stay tuned for that as well. And enjoy the conversation now with Robert Flom. And uh, have a good night, everybody. Cheers. All right, joining me now on Locked On Raptors to break down a 
pretty ugly game in LA last night. The Raptors lost 96-91, and uh, it's a return guest from uh, the Clippers SB Nation blog, uh, a whole bunch of other places. It's Robert Flom. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, until the stupid autoplay videos start coming on, uh, I'm good now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm good, man. I, I'm better now that that game is over and that it's in the past. Like that was a like an objectively ugly game from either side, right? Uh, that was that was pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was good for Clippers fans because wins have been pretty hard to come by. But in terms of just viewing experience, yeah, it was it was not great. Yeah, uh, you know, the Raptors. I think they kind of started off well, and I kind of just expected them to cruise to a 14, 15, 16 point win like they have for the last few games against kind of bad teams. Um, and I went to bed after halftime, and uh, things were not like that in the second half. I caught up this afternoon, um, and crunch time was pretty ugly for the Raptors. I think, you know, uh, let me, I guess let me ask you, like, sort of, what do you think was the biggest differentiator between uh, the Raptors ended up losing that game or potentially winning that game in the fourth quarter yesterday? So, I'm not a huge uh, Jonas Valanciunas fan, yeah. but... He destroyed the Clippers in the first half, Mm -hmm. and he didn't really play in the fourth quarter, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, Not playing him seemed like a pretty big mistake. In terms of just regular offense, uh, I was prepared for DeMar DeRozan to absolutely destroy the Clippers because I don't really see anybody on the Clippers roster who's capable of guarding him. But Austin Rivers did a really good job against him, and I thought he didn't do quite a good enough job attacking the basket He's been settling for a lot of mid-range long jumpers, which I know is kind of his game, but mm-hmm. I feel like he could have been a little bit more aggressive. And Lowry was just horrible the entire night, except for like two plays. So I don't even think the Clippers were playing good defense on him. He's just missing shots. So on one hand, I think they got a little bit lucky, but on the other hand, it just it seemed like the the, the Raptors of years past really just could not get any offense going in in the fourth quarter. There, it was it was really ugly to watch. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, you mentioned the Jonas thing, and that kind of melted Raptors Twitter. I woke up and just things were ablaze. Um, and, you know, the, like he's such a divisive guy, and there's certain people who love him and certain people who hate him. And it's weird that a lot of people who hate him uh, normally were, like, clamoring for him to play last night. And, you know, when I watched it back, I didn't really, like, feel like had Jonas Valanciunas been in the game that they would have really had that much of a better chance to win. I think most of the damage the Clippers did on the offensive glass, which is where they really sort of dominated, they rebounded them 14-3 on the offensive glass, 57-42 overall. Um, I think that mostly came before the last few minutes. And I think in the last few minutes, like, for me, the biggest difference was Kyle Lowry just played like garbage. Like, it was probably the worst game I've seen Lowry play uh, this season. And he started pretty poorly, and he had a few rough performances early on. But normally when he's not shooting well, he's doing other things that are affecting winning. But last night, it just was nothing. In the fourth quarter, he had no legs defensively. He had no legs on his shot. It's second night of a back-to-back and whatever. So, I mean, maybe that's kind of playing into it. And the entire team kind of looked gassed a little bit by the end. 
Um, but Lowry just, he didn't have it. He was allowing blow buys to Austin Rivers and Tay Dosich. And um, I think the the three that Tay Dosich hit, a lot of that goes on to Lowry for kind of getting his signals crossed a little bit, uh, gave Tay Dosich a little too much time. Um, he, he was ugly. He did not play a good game last night. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play in a Raptors uniform. And that is, uh, you know, it's a rare thing from him because even when, like I said, when he's not shooting well, He's doing other things that are positive. So, like, if Valanciunas was in that game, I still don't think that makes Kyle Lowry play better defense. And ultimately, the rim protection at the rim uh, for all the blow-bys that guys are getting on Lowry, that'd be worse with Valanciunas there. So, uh, the rebounding thing, yeah, I totally get. And Ibaka, uh, you know, he had a nice, a couple nice rebounds late in the game, a couple nice contested ones that I thought kind of, you know, that's what you need from him when he's playing center because, like, that's always been his big bugaboo is he's not a really good rebounder. But... Uh, I thought he was fine in the situation late in the game yesterday, but overall, yeah, Val- Valanciunas was really good. He probably earned a little bit more run late in the game, um, and but I, I just I'm not sure the Raptors had it in them to win that game either way last night. The, everything was kind of not really clicking. Uh, the defense was awful, and the Clippers were dismissing shots. And the, like the, I think the defense, the process of the defense was much worse than uh, the 33 or 30. What was it? 33 percent, 37 percent that the Clippers shot tonight. Yeah. Um, what would you think was like the best thing the Clippers did late in that game? Because like they weren't playing particularly well. My biggest takeaway from this one is like the Clippers are just kind of bad. But what do you think was the best thing they did in that game to to pull out the win? So as as kind of bad as their offense was, I think the process of their offense was a bit better than it has been. You still had a decent amount of Austin Rivers and Lou Williams isos, but I thought the ball was moving quite a bit more than it has most of the season. I think a lot of that can be attributed to Tato such playing um he missed almost the entire season so far he left in the second game with an injury and uh last last night was his first game back mm-hmm. I think he had a fair amount to do with that there seemed to be a bit more ball and player movement than usual but I just like that they kept attacking the basket um Lou and Austin they do they've been attacking a lot recently and that's part of why they've been so good but they can also tend to settle for jumpers and last night they were not and even when they weren't scoring uh, DeAndre Jordan was getting offensive rebounds because the Raptors' big men were going to contest. And I I just thought they played hard, which, it, despite the protestations of some Clippers fans, I think they've played pretty hard most of the year. Mm-hmm. But last night, I think, was definitely one of their better efforts. And really, on defense, I don't know how, how great defense they were playing, but again, they were trying, they were active, they were energetic. And that's really all you can ask for on a team that right now just still doesn't have a ton of talent. Uh, I think Doc Rivers said it after the game is that they, they had more talent, but we had a little bit more energy and a little bit more fire. Probably missing a little bit, but I think that was the gist of it. And I, I think that's basically it. The Raptors, as you said, looked pretty tired. Kind of just lifeless overall, yeah. I'd say. Um, which is unusual because I think of them, especially their bench, as being like very energetic and fast-paced and their bench was also not very good last night, which was was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, that, that's kind of been a trend of the last few games, I think. The all-bench units have been a little iffy. And, like, I, I don't know, this is kind of a thing that I took away from that game in that, you know, the Raptors all season long, their young guys have been incredible. And I think they've kind of overshot expectations a little bit. And, you know, we haven't really seen many games like last night where they just completely kind of crapped the bed. But, like, that's going to happen when you have, you know, two-thirds of your roster are guys in their rookie deals. Um, so I think last night was kind of a bit of a wake-up call. Like, hey, like, these guys aren't perfect, and they're going to have nights like this. The fact that it all happened in the same night was a little weird. But, you know, with Ananobi, he started, he didn't play very well. 
Uh, you had Norm Powell's continuing to struggle. He's forcing things and just not really fitting into the second unit all that well right now. Uh, Van Vliet struggled, one of six from the field. Jakob Pertl was just getting bullied by Montrez Harrell uh, yep. in multiple ways, verbally, physically, all these things. Uh, he picked up five fouls in the game. He wasn't a factor. Pascal Siakam was rough. Like This is the kind of speed bumps you're expecting to see from young guys. And the fact that you, we haven't seen them so far from, from the Raptors guys is – I think it's probably clouded people's perceptions a little bit. Um, so, like, I'm not too worried. This is kind of what you would have expected coming into the season, that there were going to be games like this. Um, I think the bigger concern for me, I mean, there's not really a big concern, to be honest. I think it might just be that the Raptors need to start staggering their stars a little bit more because uh, if there's going to be some regressions from the stars, then, or from the bench, then maybe you got to sort of mix in a little bit more Kyle and DeMar with those young guys. But um, what's the deal with Montrez Harrell? Uh, the last two games against the Raptors, he has... Uh, 45 points on 18 of 21 shooting in 40 minutes. Um, is, uh, yeah, uh, what 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 happened to him last night? Is he always this good for the Clippers? I admittedly haven't watched much of the Clippers since they started to uh, uh, go downhill without Blake. But uh, what's uh, what's the deal with Montrez? And is he always this good? So, and he's not always this good. But um, the Clippers started the year with Willie Reed as backup center, and he was playing well. And a lot of fans. Again, the way fans do, we're like, oh, we can trade Jordan and start Willie Reed. Like, Willie Reed looks better than DJ. And it was like, no, like, could stop. Uh, and then a couple weeks ago, Willie Reed just started to not look super great. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't moving too well on either end of the court. I mean, he's not super athletic. He's kind of a big, lumbering dude. I, I think of him as, like, a DeAndre Jordan just with, like, a tenth of the athleticism <laughs> and a little more offensive game. Um Whereas Montrez Harrell is just very explosive, and, and he's undersized, but he's very active, and he's been awesome for the Clippers. Um, tonight was tonight. Last night was one of his better games, but mm-hmm. he's had a few really, really good ones, and yeah, he, he's honestly been a revelation. I think most people thought coming into the year that Willie Reed kind of had that locked down just because he's bigger and has a lot more room protection, but Harrell's just completely brought a different energy and vibe and attitude to the second unit and I mean he can't play minutes with Jordan because neither of them can shoot but honestly I mean on a team without with a a worse center he'd be getting a lot more minutes because he's been he's been very good I think um I may be wrong but he is one of like the most efficient scorers in the NBA this season I'm still on pretty limited minutes Mm -hmm. uh but yeah he's shooting 66 percent from the field Mm -hmm. um which is really good, um, especially considering he doesn't really have... He has some lob potential, like what DJ has, but because he's smaller, it's, it's a little harder for him to finish. So the fact that he's shooting that well around the basket is is pretty crazy. And um, I was I was surprised at the sheer amount of bullying, like you said. <laughs> really done that against much smaller players. I don't think I've ever seen him take, like not just a big man, but a bigger defensive player to task like that. But uh, it was it was br- I felt bad for Pirtle honestly. <laughs> uh, Pirtle's was- fine. He's uh he's kind of like Harold in the fact that he's like super efficient and uh, and provides just like a nice bit of energy for the Raptors and doesn't really you know I don't know if you'd want him starting. I mean I I think a lot of people kind of would want him starting over JV at this point, but. Um, you know, it's a kind of a different situation. He's got different skills than what the incumbent starting center has, but a uh, similar style of player, I think, to Harrell. Uh, maybe just a little less mean. <laughs> so, bigger picture Clippers stuff. They are obviously one of the teams that's gone through the most turmoil this season between injuries and uh, obviously losing Chris Paul before the season. And 
I don't know. Yeah. They're really hard to sort of gauge. There's DeAndre Jordan trade rumors going on right now. Uh, the young guys in the team, like this isn't a team that, you know, say like the Raptors that has really sort of prioritized draft picks and valued them deeply over the last few years while trying to be competitive. Like they've kind of punted that area of team building. But, you know, now there's at least some guys on the team who you can kind of get a little bit excited about if you're a Clippers fan, I suppose. There's Jawan Evans and Darius Thornwell. Uh, Jamil Wilson, who started last night. I'm not sure if you want to lump Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell in there. Those guys are kind of young veterans at this point. But is there a young guy on the team who you're most excited about in terms of what they could do for, like, the next decent Clippers team? So I think that, that kind of has to be Jawan Evans for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Jamil Wilson. Last night was his worst game of the season. He's been very good for the Clippers in, in limited minutes. He's a little older. He's a two-way deal. I think he's like 26. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he's been he's been very good. I think he has some Marvin Williams-esque. Like, if he was, if they, he maxed out, he could be, like, a kind of good defending, like, slightly rim-protecting power forward who can hit threes and has some passing ability, uh, which is which is pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's, he's a ways away from that. He's played, like, 85 NBA minutes. Um, <laughs> but he's a little older. Thornwell is a is a fan favorite already, and he does some things really well. Like he had eight rebounds yesterday. He's a, he's a solid passer, um, and his one on one defense is great. But his offensive game is very limited, mm. and he's kind of old. Whereas Evans, several years younger, and he's already he looks more comfortable shooting threes. Even though their percentage percentages are actually the other way, Thornwell's shooting like thirty nine percent from three, whereas Evans is like twenty five. But Evans just looks way more comfortable out there. His stroke is more fluid. It's quicker. Um, he's just a lightning bug, um, just going to the basket, getting up court in transition. He had a couple really bad turnovers yesterday. Van Vliet was kind of hounding him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he he kind of looks and plays a little bit like Darren Collison. And if his shot is able to translate to the NBA, if he can hit league average three-point percentage, I think he could be like a very good uh, backup point guard his defense has been rocky at times but because he's so small but his wingspan is really long and he's he's quick so i think once he gets the intricacies of nba defense down a little bit i think he'll be a much better defender and yeah i mean i think he's the youngest um he probably has the most upside i don't know if he's ever going to be starting level point guard but i think if he's a guy who a lot the clippers young guys in general really and and just for nba players right now the the three-point shooting is just such a big deal Mm -hmm. Um, but i think all their young guys really their careers are we make make or break on whether they can actually hit threes if thornwell can hit his threes he's a a versatile defending three and d guard wing type like i'd say i'd compare him to like a smaller pj tucker maybe Mm -hmm. um and Jawan Evans again could be like a Darren Collison esque. Some people say Chris Paul. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know how Clippers fans who've watched Chris Paul for the past six years can <laughs> uh, call any point guard, much less a second round draft pick, a potential Chris Paul. Because I just I watched him for the first time a few a few games ago, and it was it was pretty sad uh, watching him play with Harden and just being awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Evans probably. It's it's great to have young guys. As I, I wrote today, actually in my article on uh, Clips Nation, that Cinderius Thornwell has cleared the 400 minute mark, and that means he's gotten the most minutes of any rookie draft pick in the Doc Rivers era, uh, wow. <laughs> which is really the <laughs> bar. But it's it's remarkable. The previous record was Reggie Bullock back in 2013-14, and he played 395 minutes, and that was the most by a rookie draft pick in the Doc Rivers Clippers era. 
So they took punting draft picks to a, a whole new level. <laughs> Not uh, quite Memphis yeah. Grizzlies level, but uh, pretty close. Oh, <laughs> the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I mean, it's nice, it, it, like, speaking from experience, like, it's fun having young guys, even if they don't contribute amazingly right away. Like, even last season, like, guys like Pascal Siakam and stuff, like, they weren't huge parts of the team, but it's nice to have that sort of upside to wish on. So I'm glad Clippers fans have that, at least uh, in, in some guys right now. And I guess this season is pretty important for the Clippers because, you know, the I, I think they came into the season, you know, obviously making the signings they did, kind of thinking they were going to be competitive and making and making a run at uh, a playoff spot. But obviously that's not going to happen at this point with Blake Griffin out for so long. Gallo missed last night. Uh, he's, uh, he's Gallo. Like, who knows how much he's going to play. Uh, there's already DeAndre Jordan trade talks, as we talked about. Um I don't know what's the best path as like as a Clippers fan. Like, what would you like to see the Clippers do this season? Because they don't have their pick in 2019. They do this year, um, and so maybe there's a way in which they could kind of bottom out here, get a good pick, and then maybe sort of go back at it for 2019 uh, to try to make that pick as less desirable as possible for for Boston uh, because Boston has all the damn picks. Um, so I don't know what, what's the best way for the Clippers to go about this season. Like, do you want to see them try to you know crawl back into it, and maybe shoot for a playoff spot in sort of an injured and damaged Western Conference, or would you rather see them trade DeAndre and just kind of try to reset for next year? So I think this is something that could be you know a full a full column length. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really really tricky and important year for the Clippers. I think that. When you look at the NBA standings in the Western Conference, they are two games back of the eighth seed, mm-hmm. which is crazy considering they're ten and fifteen, and they've had three of their best players out for most of the year. Um, the West is just chaos right now. The Thunder look like they're they're not going anywhere anytime soon. The Jazz are inconsistent. The Trailblazers are, are up and down. The Pelicans, Davis has been hurt like three times already this year, <laughs> um, and they have like three NBA players. Yeah, like I and I, I'm not a Boogie Cousins believer, um, which is like heresy on on NBA Twitter. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I like I think if the Clippers really wanted to make the playoffs, I think they still could. Mm-hmm. It really depends on when Blake comes back. I think the best case scenario would be he comes back like around New Year's, maybe a little bit after, and if they can just kind of hold like a little bit under 500 record until then, I think they could make the playoffs. As to whether that's a good idea, it's really up for debate. I'm leaning more towards the idea that they should be not great this year and get a draft pick because this draft has some really good talent and because I believe this year um, the NBA is implementing their new draft lottery rules where Mm -hmm. the teams higher or lower down in the draft lottery, I guess, like in in the teens and, and late single digits, have a better chance of getting a top five pick. So... That would help the Clippers a lot because they're they have too much talent uh, to be one of like the worst five or so teams. Um, so that's a that's a bonus. Trading DJ is something that fans are also very split about. He's a fan favorite. He's mm-hmm. homegrown. This is his tenth season, I believe, on the Clippers. 
Um, you know, we've we've all watched him go from this unfinished completely unskilled in terms of just basketball awareness and everything um, as a second-round pick to an all-NBA center. And it would be tough for the Clippers to lose him. And there's also the fact that every year they don't make the playoffs, especially as the Lakers are starting to get better and more exciting, um, their risk of losing more of their fan base. A lot already left with Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And balancing that is, is going to be really tough. I I think the Gallinari contract I wasn't super high on it when it first happened and now it looks it looks pretty bad um, because if they hadn't signed him I think that the best course of action would honestly just be to hold on to DJ and then just re-sign him mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna get anybody better than him in free agency even if you don't think he's gonna age that well he still has at least a couple years left in his prime and even after that he's probably gonna be like a rotation center. I, I just don't know if they're going to get anybody near his caliber in free agency. And the guy who headlined it this summer is Gallinari, and he's not great and super injury prone. Um, so I, I and I, I mean, we all have emotional attachments to guy. I would probably lean towards not trading Jordan, mm-hmm. but trading some of the other veterans. I'd trade Lou Williams as much as I've come to love Lou for his just ridiculous performance so far this year. Um, <laughs> Like, it won't last, Williams, man. It won't last. Look at compare his stats to CJ McCollum's or mm-hmm. even Dame Lillard's and Kyrie Irving's, and you'll be shocked at how close they are. <laughs> um, like I, he's just been ridiculous. Um, but I like a team should be willing to give up a first round pick for him because he's been that good. I'd look into trading some of the other vets who I don't know if you can really get anything for Wes Johnson or like Sam Decker, even though he's kind of younger and he could be part of that. I just sell on some of those guys. Like, again, Willie Reed, if he's not playing, like, he's he's a decent backup center. Maybe get, like, a second-round pick. Just, like, lose some some of the veteran talent and just bottom out a little bit. Um, you know, give DJ and Blake nights off. Don't play them too hard. All that kind of stuff without actually trading them because unless the, the right package comes along for DJ, I just – I'm very – Hesitant. I mean, if if you're talking about just paying him a lot of money and that being a risk, trading him for Jabari Parker, who's had God knows how many knee surgeries on the same knee in the mm-hmm. past three or four years, I don't I don't know if he's a better bet. Um, and the other, like the the Cavs, I don't think the Cavs thing is going to happen. And it's just tough to find a realistic trading partner. So I I move to keep him and trade off some of the other veterans and hope to get in that 10 to 11 pick range and hopefully luck into a better draft pick. But if not, um, the Clippers haven't drafted that high in, it'll be eight years this summer um, Mm. since the 2010 draft when they had uh, Eric Bledsoe and Al Farouk Aminu. Uh, They haven't drafted in the lottery since then. So it would be, it would be really nice um, to have a lottery pick again. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want them to go all in for it unless Blake comes back early and they just all of a sudden click and are going for it. Like making the seventh or eighth seed just to be swept you know, by a margin of victory of 20 points a game <laughs> by the Warriors or Rockets. Uh, each of them, which would just be the most horrible because Rockets would have Chris Paul. Yeah. And um, the Warriors obviously are the Warriors. Uh, it would just be brutal. And I don't want to do that. Um, it's been bad enough losing in the first round to like in competitive series. I yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really tough um, because they want to keep their fan base, and in order to do that, they want to remain somewhat competitive. 
but they also desperately need some young talent. And as much as I think they really do like Evans and Thornwell and those guys, I mean, none of them right now would project to even be starters, much less, you know, franchise players. So right. I, it's it's really tricky. Um, Zach Lowe, a couple weeks ago, I think in, in one of his pods with Arnovitz, said that he would be very surprised if DJ was still on the Clippers by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, they are both um, infinitely more well-connected than I am, but I wouldn't be quite so sure. I think that it's probably more likely than not, but I would not be surprised uh, if he stuck around because I think a trade partner is tough, and I think them losing DJ and all that he's meant to this Clippers team is tough, as I'm sure... The Raptors fans went through this past summer with uh, with Lowry and obviously to a much lesser extent Ibaka, but yeah. it's tough letting guys who've been so good for your franchise just walk or trading them. It's it's rough. Yeah, finding replacements is not easy. Um, and yeah, I think I'm as an outside observer, I'd like to see the Clippers maybe bottom out this season to try to make another attempt at it next year. Um, first of all, because I like Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and I'd like to see them have a nice supporting cast around them again. And also because if the Clippers do sneak in and get the eighth seed and play the Warriors, or, the, or especially the Warriors, as someone who was rooting so hard for so many years for another Clippers Warriors series after that uh, 2014 series that they had, which was awesome, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it would be a real bummer for this to be the iteration of it that we get. So. Uh, as a selfish NBA fan, I would like to see the Clippers miss the playoffs just to avoid that whole thing. Um, Robert, yeah. this was really fun, man. I, I, the Clippers are a fascinating team, and you did about as good a job as I could possibly imagine breaking down all the different situations going on for them. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely do it again once the uh, once the Clippers play the Raptors again, which I have no idea when that is, but I guess we'll just come across it on the schedule. Um, do you have anything you want to plug right now? Um, not really. I don't have anything super long running. I've been doing a lot of like pre game, like previews and recaps. Um, I had an article just today about uh, the Clippers just over the past couple weeks, just like what's been good, bad, ugly about them. Right. Um, nothing like super crazy in depth, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Always good to talk uh, Raptors, Clippers, because a lot of Clippers fans I think have have a soft spot for for Clippers North or Clippers East. <laughs> All right, man, this was good. We'll do it again soon. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.